Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. There's something wrong if you can't be encouraged by music like that, by the words of that song, Jesus Is. Let's talk today about being successful. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, Paul has just gotten a good report from Epaphras about the Colossian church. He's never been, Paul's never been there, but he gets a good report. And then he says in verse 9, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins." Folks, there's a lot of wonderful truth right here. In fact, this may be one of those places you want to underline in your Bible. Let's begin by having prayer together. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that it will be an encouragement to those today who need it, that it will be a reminder of those who seem to take for granted all that you've done for us. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be successful as believers. And we know that's not based on numbers. It's not anything you can buy, but it's following what you would have us to do. So we ask that you speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. A pastor was visiting the home of one of his members, had just had a cup of coffee, and he said to his member, I'm glad to see in what a comfortable way you are living. And the churchgoer replied to him, he said, Pastor, if you really want to know how we live, you need to come when you're not here. <laughs> now we know what that means, don't we? Unfortunately, a lot of Christians live that way. They are Christian in name only. Maybe they put on a good front. Uh, they're faking it. They don't live as authentic Christians. And today, there's a big emphasis on authenticity. We want something that's real. And I believe in my heart that you wouldn't be here today if it did not matter to you that you want to know more about the Lord, you want to follow Him, you want to serve Him, but how do you know when you're successful? If you were to ask somebody, what is a successful Christian? What is a successful child of God? What would that mean? Now, it's interesting what people to do, what do today to, to be successful. They asked a group of executives one time what it meant to be a success, and they basically were divided up into about four groups. Some of them said it's the stuff you own. 
The stuff you accumulate makes you a success. Some said it was the feelings that you have that makes you a success. Some said it's the goals that you set and achieve them that makes you successful. And then there was another group that said some find that they have a mission in life, and when they fulfill that mission, they are successful. People do all kinds of things to feel successful today. For example, I read of one man who said that when he goes into a clothing store, he takes a pair of pants that are three times larger than the size he wears because he wants to go in there and know what it feels like to succeed in a diet. (laughs) And then I would agree with the statement that says it is generally agreed that no honest men are successful fishermen. (laughs) I am one of them, so I can talk about us. Wouldn't you like to be a successful Christ follower? Wouldn't you like to be a successful Christian? How do you measure that? How do you know? He didn't give us a mark or a stamp or a badge or a medal. How do you know? I believe he shares with us right here some things that would let us know. And when he begins for this reason, it's because he's heard this good news. And then, and then even after he hears the good news, he says, I continue to pray for you. I don't cease to pray for you. And I believe one of the reasons that Paul does that is because he knows that the people who have the most potential to serve the kingdom and to, to reach people for Christ, they're the ones the enemy's going to have the target on. And we, we don't, we, I know we pray for people who are going through hard times and difficulties, and, but we need to pray for people who we hear good things about, praying for churches that we hear good things about, because I can assure you Satan is not happy with anyone who is serving the Lord regularly, and we need to continue to pray for them. They are a target. But in this prayer, Paul prays for them For several things to happen, he knows that they're doing well, he knows that they're growing in the Lord, and so he wants to, he prays for them, and I pulled out of this some successful key, the truths to successful believer. If you follow this, you're going to be successful as a Christian, because you're going to do what God wants you to do. And the first thing is focusing on God's purpose. To be purposeful. Now, I've emphasized the full part, the successful. To focus on God's purpose. He says that in verse 9, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The word filled means to be completely filled or totally controlled. And it means to be filled to the full. Now, religious knowledge and the knowledge of God's will are not always the same. Would you agree? There are a lot of people who have religious knowledge, but they don't follow God's will. In fact, all around the world, Christianity is attacked by religious people. Just because you have religious knowledge doesn't mean that you are following God's will. But Paul's speaking about a particular kind of will, God's will. And if you, if you love your spouse, you're going to try to find out what they love and try to meet that need. If you love your children, you're going to find out what they need and try to meet that need. If you love God, you're going to know what his will is for your life. You're, not, you're going to focus on his purpose for you. Would you agree with me that God has a will for you? Yeah. And 
And when you find that or when you are fulfilling that or focusing on that, then you're going to be successful. Do what God wants you to do. And focusing on God's will, he even qualifies it. He said that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Sometimes we treat God's will as something that's mysterious and far off and hard to discern. I want to tell you something. Finding God's will is pretty easy. Open your Bibles. Because when God said it, that settled it. Whether you believe it or not. It's God's will. God's purpose and God's will has not changed. Now, some of the ceremonial laws have changed. Some of the national laws for Israel have changed. But the moral law of God has not changed. Not one iota. It's still there. The word knowledge in verse 9 is, is really the, word, the regular word for knowledge, gnosis, with a qualifier on there to emphasize it, epinosis. He said, I want you to have a deep knowledge of God's will. And then the, the word wisdom is, is the word for Sophia. I guess she was, is, that's, the, that's the real word. It's the ability to collect this deeper knowledge and apply it to everyday life. To take what God says in his word and to live it. To make it go to school with you, to go to work with you, to be in your neighborhood, to take it home, put it in your pocket, put it in your heart and live it out. It's a deeper knowledge Sophia and the words for spiritual or the wisdom and spiritual, they deal in the non-physical realm through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the source. Now, I believe the main message for the life of the Christian is to know God's truth because God's will is written down for us. I'm not talking about if you have to make a decision someday concerning something that you believe God is leading you to do. Obviously, when we think of God's will, we're thinking, well, if is God leading me to go here? Is he leading me to do this or whatever? And you have to pray about that, but it will never be in violation of what he tells you in here. And, and also, God has a lot of latitude in his will. But God's truth is God's truth. It's absolute it's not going to change. We're living in a society that basically is saying, well, the Constitution gives us the right to do anything we want to do. Folks, I want to tell you something. The Constitution was man-made. I, I believe God had a hand in inspiring the men who wrote it. But just because somebody votes something or says, well, the Constitution guarantees us freedom, does not mean that you violate what God says is truth. God's truth does not change. It is absolute. Today, you're, the, the society's basically saying, you know what? Whatever's true for you may not be true for me. It's always changing. No. God's truth doesn't change. Now, in his truth, there is latitude. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. If you're a Christian, is it God's will for you to date a Christian or to marry a Christian. Sometimes you don't know when you're dating somebody until you've dated them. And is a Christian supposed to marry a Christian? Yes. That's God's will. It says in 2 Corinthians. 
Does it tell you who to marry? No, you've got some latitude there, don't you? you do you see what I'm talking about? But the fact is, we're, we, we look at God's Word and say, well, you know, I don't really care about God's Word. It's always changing. No, God's Word does not change. The only two things on this earth that are, are eternal are people and God's Word. Everything else is going to pass away. God's Word does not change. And so when the God says, do this, we're supposed to do it. If he says not to do this, what part of not to do do you not understand? Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 176 verses. Did you know all but two or three of those verses talk about God's absolutes? The words statutes, the words law, the words uh, ordinances or commands or word, it all talks about God's absolutes. And the denial of absolutes, particularly in the area of morals, characterizes our society. That's why people are doing the things they're doing today. Now, there's a reason they've come up with the nonsense they're coming up with. It's because they're in darkness. But I always am amazed at how many Christians, they know what God's Word says and then just flatly deny it by the way they live. That doesn't make any sense. Ignorance is not bliss. Now, most of you in here had enough knowledge to come to saving knowledge of Christ. Somebody told you about heaven and hell and sin and man and, and Jesus dying on the cross, and you put it all together. The Holy Spirit brought you to the, the knowledge of understanding how God paid the price for our sin. Jesus died for us, and you committed your life to Christ. But for some, that's as far as it goes. They don't know anything else about what the Lord wants them to do. They don't have any idea what else the Word of God has to say. There'll be people going to vote this week who have no idea they're voting diametrically opposed to what God's Word says. If you take it, if you, if you look at it, how could anybody vote? Well, I, I'm going <laughs> to... I, 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 I'll talk about me. I will never vote, ever vote for somebody who is not pro-life. Just won't. I have no problem with that. I believe the Word of God backs it up. How can you vote for somebody who says you can kill innocent life? You can't. I'm not going to vote for anybody who doesn't stand for biblical marriage. Okay, now I, I'm putting myself out there and I don't really care, to tell you the truth. Don't mess with me today. <laughs> Meet me after church. <laughs> Out on the parking lot. <laughs> seriously, seriously, I, I, I care. Obviously, I care. But I just don't understand. I just don't understand how people don't take the Word of God and apply it to every part of their life. Are there any perfect candidates? Heavens, no. They're all sinners, just like us. But I can pick the most right side as far as what the scripture says. 
has nothing to do with the party. It has everything to do with me, with God's moral law. I didn't mean to get off on all that, but I did. You see, if you don't read your Bible, ignorance is not bliss. You cannot focus on God's purpose for your life if you don't know what it says. Read it. It's not that hard to read. Read it. There are some things that are real clear. I ought to just stop right there. (laughs) The second thing is fulfilling God's plan for your life. Being fruitful. Look at verse 10. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, when you focus on the knowledge and wisdom and apply that to your life, verse 10 is going to happen. There's several characteristics. He said, first of all, you're going to have an excellent walk. You're fully pleasing him. Live in a way to please the Lord continuously. True holiness is doing God's will with a smile. Let me ask you this. Is there anything you're doing in your life, whether you're watching television shows or you're going places online or you're spending your leisure time where you're, when you're going places, is there any place that anything you're doing where you would be embarrassed if Jesus were standing next to you? <laughs> we're all guilty there, aren't we? I'm telling you, growing up, and not only that, just growing up, but there have been times in my life when I've thought to myself, Lord, please do not come back right now. I don't want you to find me right here. Amen. Like he didn't already know. <laughs> Seriously, in my daily walk, I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm not better than anyone else. But in my heart, am I doing what I know the Lord wants me to do? Am I pleasing him? Not to be saved, but because I'm saved. Because I've already come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, and I, I take his word and apply it to my life. Is it helping me in my everyday walk? Am I pleasing him? It'll be an excellent walk, but it'll also be an effective walk because it says being fruitful. You're going to bear fruit. Interesting that the metaphor of fruit bearing is used many times in the Bible. Jesus even spoke about it in Luke chapter 6, verse 34, excuse me, verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings forth good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. You can tell a lot about a tree by its fruit. If it has apples on it, it's an apple tree. You can rest assured on that. It's not a lemon tree, it's not a plum tree, it's an apple tree. If the fruit is good, the tree is healthy. If it's not, something wrong, it's undernourished or or it's diseased. You can tell how healthy it is by its fruit. Well, you can tell a lot about Christians by their fruit. Now, where do you find the fruit for a Christian? Galatians 5. Because a believer has love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness. Nobody's perfect. Obviously, the Lord's still working on us. But isn't it amazing how the Lord can take somebody who's so mean and hateful and spiteful and turn them into someone that loves people and, 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 and has joy in their heart? Listen, you, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You have joy that the world doesn't give. Listen, if all you had this week was just stuff on this earth, you've had a rough week. Between the virus and the stock market, it hadn't been a good week for you. It hadn't. Some people are already worried. We're going to crater. We're going under. Depends on who you're following. Because I know who owns everything. I know who's on the throne. And Christians shouldn't panic. We should be fruitful. I know it's hard to be holy. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to resist temptation. It's hard to sacrificially care for others. But that's why we pray for strength. Because God can use us in ways that we never dreamed of. Depends on the Holy Spirit in you, how you look at life. Two shoe salesmen went to Africa to sell shoes many years ago. After three days, the first salesman sent a cablegram back, said, returning on the next plane, can't sell shoes here, everybody goes barefoot. Nothing was heard from the second salesman for about two weeks. Then came a big fat airmail envelope with this message for the home office. There's a hundred orders enclosed, prospects unlimited. Nobody here has shoes. <laughs> but I want to tell you how you look at life depends on who lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. It doesn't mean that we're not ever concerned. It doesn't mean that we stick our head in the sand. It just means we know that God has a plan. And my plan is to fully please him, to walk with him, to depend on, to depend on him, and it will bear fruit. But not only that, my walk is also supposed to be an expanding walk. You're supposed to be growing. Are you growing? A child is an adult who has not fully matured yet. They're going to be an adult. They're going to grow. When you come to know Jesus as your Savior, you give your life to him, you're a baby in Christ. You know, you're just newborn. You've, you know you've been saved, you've been forgiven, and you're newborn. But you know what? The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, verse 2, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. How do you know when you're growing? There's not a, a growth chart, spiritual growth chart that you can go stand next to. How do you know when you're growing? First of all, you're going to have a deeper appreciation and love for God's Word. Psalm 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. It also, when you're growing, you become more obedient to the Lord. 1 John Verse, chapter 2, verse 3, now by this we know 
that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Our love is going to grow. Philippians 1, 9 says, And this I pray that you may love, that, you, that your, your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Your faith is going to grow. 2 Corinthians 10, 15, Not boasting of things beyond measure, that is in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. You see, the keys to a successful living for the Lord is focusing on, on God's purpose for us, but God has a plan for you. Just live for him daily. Take it home. Take it to school. Take it to work. Just live for him. Amen? Amen. You're not compared to anyone else. But not only that, but God doesn't tell you to do this and then say, good luck. No, you have his power. You're fortified from God's power. Look at verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. The word might refers to strength in action. It... It's, that word is used 12 times in the New Testament, 11 of those times it refers to God. His strength, his power, according to his glorious power. Glorious refers to God's attributes. He gives us his strength. God doesn't say, okay, I've saved you, good luck. No, he puts his spirit in you. How do you know when you've done wrong and a preacher isn't there? <laughs> When the pastor walks up, everybody thinks the Holy Spirit's come in the flesh. <laughs> oh, watch what you say. Really? Come on. You already knew it before I got there. And you can control your speech. You can, because you do it when I'm around. <laughs> See, the Holy Spirit inside you lets you know, convicts you of sin. Hey, 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 this isn't the way God wants you to live. You know this isn't right. This relationship you're in, you know this isn't right. You know what you're doing is not right. This isn't a, and so you're miserable because the Holy Spirit's miserable. And so God says, I'm going to give you the strength to endure with all patience and long-suffering with joy. Listen to those words, patience, long-suffering, and joy. Do those all go together? Not necessarily, not in our minds, but God's power is shown through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God, the Lord told his disciples, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, Ephesians 3.16. Romans 15.13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's got a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. And he'll give you this power to be powerful. You can have the power to live for him. You already have it. But, but I notice some of you aren't with me right now. 
I could tell either that you're praying. <laughs> Y'all know I can see you. Y'all know I can see you, don't you? You do know that, right? And when you're sitting there like this, you know I know you're not praying. Isn't that encouraging? Let me just do that for a while. I'm being ugly today. My wife's not in town. <laughs> She's probably watching right now online. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Laura. I don't want you to miss this last point. What keeps you going? You're flourishing in God's provision to be joyful. I'm going to give you some reasons why you're joyful today. Has nothing to do with your circumstances. And if I don't get at least one amen out of this whole section here, I'm going to be real disappointed because I'm telling you, this is the best part of the message right here. Thank you. <laughs> I got one finally. I want you to understand something. You are a recipient of God's blessings. You have been given this, what I'm about to share with you. You didn't earn it. You were given this to you. The first thing is, notice in verse 12, excuse me, verse 13. He has delivered us, well, no, let me back up, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now, you have been qualified. I call it, you've been righteously ratified. You have been made right. The word qualified means to be authorized for a task. It can also be made, mean to be sufficient or complete. You are sufficient, you are complete to be partakers of the inheritance. How are you ratified? How are you qualified? You didn't do it yourself. You didn't do it yourself because 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Several years ago, Steve Jobs died, the founder of Apple. One website said he was worth $10.2 billion. You know what's sad? Is that I didn't get any of that inheritance. <laughs> and you know why? Because I'm not qualified. Amen. I'm not part of the family. I, I, I can't qualify myself to be part of that inheritance. But let me tell you something. I am qualified for an inheritance. It's a lot better than that. But I didn't qualify myself. In fact, the way this verb is written, especially when it talks about being delivered from darkness, it happens at a point in time. You're not, you're not qualified over a period of time. As if you come to church enough, you're going to get enough points to finally be qualified. You'll finally win. Oh, no, it happens at a point in time. Instantly, you're qualified. You're ratified. 
When you turn from your sin in repentance and God, and you ask God to forgive you and you believe in your heart and mind and soul and every other part of you that Jesus died for your sin, rose again, and you commit your life to him, right then and there you are sufficient. You are qualified. You are ratified. God imputes to you the righteousness of Jesus. And he looks at you as if you've never sinned. And you are now qualified. You got an inheritance. <laughs> Eternal life with God. First Peter 3 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. God gave you that. You didn't save yourself. You don't keep yourself saved. He, he saved you. He qualifies you, ratifies you. That's what I call it. Not only that, he's rescued you. And, and another word to write out beside it is relocated. He's relocated you. Notice in verse 13, he's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Before you came to know Jesus, you're slave to darkness. Satan's kingdom is darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So, in the darkness, the light of the gospel drew you out of darkness. And you came to him, and he rescued you. He relocated you. He delivered you. That word delivered means to draw oneself to. The Father draws us to himself out of darkness, out of Satan's kingdom, and into his light. Do you wonder why people today do the stupid things they do and come up with the most idiotic ideas? I have no gender. Really? I'll tell you what you do have, but I'm not going to say it here. <laughs> They're in darkness. They're in darkness. Satan's leading them around. They think they're free, but he's leading them around by the nose. He's, they're in darkness until The light of the gospel shines unto them, and they are rescued. Ephesians 5, 7 through 8 says, Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And I don't want you to miss something here. Look at verse 13, and you see the word. This is a new King James Version. It has conveyed. It could be transferred or translated, depending on your translation of Scripture. This is, this is good. This is good. It talks about removing a group of people from one country to another. You've been transferred, been conveyed. 
You're now a citizen of the kingdom of God. But let me tell you something else. This came to me at 8 o'clock this morning in the 8 o'clock service. So I know it's of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 5, you hear this read a lot at funerals. I think it's verse 8 that says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The word absent is the same word we use for immigration. To immigrate, to leave. The word present with the Lord, same word to mean the homeland. You see where I'm going with this? You and I aren't home yet. And when we die, we don't leave our home. We're going home. Because we've already been transferred to the kingdom. That's why we're having such a hard time here. We don't belong here anymore. Now I'm ready for the Lord to beam us on up whenever he's ready. You've been, you've been qualified, you've been rescued, you've been relocated. But you've also been redeemed. Somebody bought you. <laughs> Why would he want to buy us? It's a slavery word. The Roman Empire had millions of slaves. And a slave could not free themselves. They needed somebody else to pay the price to set them free. We were slaves to sin. And the only thing that could free us from sin was the penalty of sin to be paid, which was death. And Jesus died for us that we might have life. He redeems us. He paid for us. He sets us free. And let me tell you something. For those of you who don't think you're worth much, Jesus thought you were worth dying for. He did. 1 Peter 1.18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You've been bought. They... God didn't just post your bail. <laughs> he set you free. You've been declared righteous. And one last thing. You've also been released. The forgiveness of sins. Some of you can't forgive yourself. We look back on things that we've done and we wish we could undo them. Some are still suffering the consequences of sin in the past. God has forgiven the sin. The consequences have not gone away. But folks, I want you to understand something. The word forgiveness means to send away, to send from. And because Christ died for us, when God forgives us of our sin, he sends it away. As far as the east is from the west, 
Psalm 103, 12 says. Why didn't he say north to south? Because you can go south for a while, but eventually you're going to turn around and go north when you get to the other side of the world. But when you head east, you never quit going east. <laughs> or if you head west, you never quit going west. Right? So what is God saying? He said, I'm sending your sin away. You've been released from that. You've been forgiven. It's been wiped clean. God already knows everything you've done. He knows everything I've done. But he said, you know what? When I forgave you, I sent it away. What an amazing God. That means no one is beyond forgiveness, no matter what you've done. If you don't know Jesus, you have no clue what being a Christian is about. Because when you turn from your sin in repentance, changing your mind, asking God to forgive you, believing that Jesus lived a sinless life, died for your sins, rose again, conquering death, paying the price, and trusting your life, giving your life to him by trusting him. When you truly commit your life to Jesus, Holy Spirit lives in you. We say, ask Jesus into your heart. We're saying, we want the Holy Spirit to live in us. And when that happens, you're no longer living in darkness. <laughs> You've been transferred to the kingdom of God. You have a new want to. All that sin, that temptation is still there, but there's a new want to. You want to serve him. How could you ever repay what Jesus has done? You can't. But to be successful, just love him, follow him, serve him, grow in him, and let him be part of your everyday walk. Let him be part of your decision making. Let him be part of what you watch. Let him be part of what you listen to. Take the, take the Lord with you everywhere you go. Not just bring him in here on Sunday. Would you bow your heads with me? We're just about done. A couple of more minutes and we're done. If you've never received Christ, the Holy Spirit right now may be tugging at your heart saying, you know what? You've been going to church a long time, but you've never received Christ. Or maybe this is your first time here. You've never heard the gospel. Well, that tug at your heart is the Holy Spirit knocking. And if you'll open your heart to him, trust him with your life. He'll forgive you. He'll save you right now. If you need a church, if you're looking for a perfect one, don't come here. Just a bunch of forgiven sinners is all we are. That's who we are. Just saved by grace, forgiven. 
there's any decision on your heart today, Lord, I pray that you give them courage to come, make right, confess sin, stop doing, start doing, whatever it is you want us to do in our life. Right now, we come to you, confessing our sin, asking you to forgive us. I pray for those that need to commit their life to Jesus today. Help us to be successful, Lord, and that's just obedience to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.